As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We are not good. What? We are not good, Chef. No? What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Why the f*** do I watch this game? One of the local writers, Adam Hoagie, or Hog, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. Hey, George. Hi, Adam. Uh, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Adam Johns, go ahead. Hey, Matt, how, how you doing? Um, Coach Dicker versus the Hurricane, who would win? Dicker, Dicker. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the Hurricane is Hurricane Dicker. Here they are. Hogan Johns. Another morning edition live. What's up, Johnsy? How we doing? Good morning, my friend. Grind. Enjoying my coffee. Yes. Talk some bears. It's good morning. Fail by me. Do not have coffee in front of me. I do have water, which is probably better at this point. Mm-hmm. You got to have a coffee before you can. Always. Oh, we had, don't worry, we had a double espresso already. <laughs> You're all juiced up, ready to go. <laughs> we gotta be. It's pads. Pads are going on today. Gotta be ready to go. It's one of my favorite days in camp. Yes. Feels real. It sounds real. I think the players, speaking of juices, they're, they're, they get excited for this one too. Yeah. I don't know why um, there seems to be confusion every year about which day the pads are going <laughs> on. It's like an annual tradition, but, uh, you know, thanks Cody Whitehair for confirming, uh, among others, Justin Jones and TJ Edwards also said pads are going on today. So let's get after it. Let's see what it's all, you know, what's really going on at the line of scrimmage because it's been frustrating the, as much as we want, we've been talking about Justin Fields and the wide receivers and the corners and the, anybody in the secondary, like, okay, what about Darnell Wright? What about like, I feel like Javon Dexter hasn't been enough of a conversation, but it's like, what are we supposed to say about these guys until we see the pads go on? So I'm excited. Yeah, now it's time to see the big boys have some fun. I don't think it affects the the defensive linemen too much, just in terms of their their hands and get off and all that stuff. But for the offensive linemen, they get to fight back a bit now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we still do have a lot to talk about from you know the five practices that we've seen so far. I want to you know talk about who is who has shined uh, to this point, and then also. Uh, the uh, Justin Fields conversation with uh, Mike Sandals quarterback tears coming out yesterday as well. 
Uh, we're expecting to talk to Sando on Thursday's episode. So you got that to look forward to. He'll talk about um, kind of an annual tradition that we've had with him, and he'll talk about the process that he goes through uh, building his quarterback tiers. It's obviously a conversation piece every single preseason that we enjoy. Um, and so we'll get into all that. But we, I do want to talk, discuss it just a little bit today as well. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Uh, tons and tons of coverage coming in, whether you are reading Johnsy in The Athletic, Kevin Fishbane, or the whole crew over there. Make sure you are subscribed at theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. And then on our side of things, CHGO, ton of content up on uh, that YouTube channel if you want to check it out if you're subscribed here please be subscribed over there as well on chgo sports had a conversation with tj edwards yesterday that uh, really enjoyed so you can check that out as well as our daily practice recap shows and every morning my newsletter is coming out the bears things newsletter uh you got to be a diehard though all chgo.com slash diehard you want to talk about you know, random players that we've liked so far. Do you want to touch on the Justin Fields and where he stands in the quarterback tiers real quick? Let's start with the quarterback tiers. Okay. So. Um, I have quick, it up. Yeah. Ooh. Quick. Just a quick summary. And I, again, Sando's going to be here Thursday to really go in depth on all this. But, you know, he pulls a bunch of people around the league, gets their, their input. He tiers the QBs based on basically what they can do. How much are they a win because of player or a win with type player? And, you know, it's pretty much common sense, right? You're like top tier Patrick Mahomes type players, second tier. It's like, okay, yeah, these are guys you can definitely win because of, but maybe it's not always the case. Maybe, you know, there's, there's still a couple blemishes in their game. And then you go down to the tier three which is where Justin Fields is. Why don't you explain where you know what what exactly is in that tier? And by the way, Justin did rise from a tier four player last year to a tier three guy now. So just the to recap, he pulled fifty league insiders who rated thirty veteran quarterbacks into tiers. Those fifty league insiders included eight general managers, ten head coaches, fifteen coordinators, ten executives four quarterbacks coaches, and three involved in coaching and analytics. As Adam just said, he went from Tier 4 to Tier 3. This is how he divines uh, Tier 3. A Tier 3 quarterback is a legitimate starter but needs a heavier running game and or defensive component to win. A lower-volume drop-back passing offense suits him best. I think that's, like at this point, that is a very fair definition for many of these quarterbacks in this tier is it not yeah um and and i think that's some for those listening you got kyler murray Derek carr jared goff russell wilson tua jimmy garoppolo daniel jones geno smith justin fields ryan Tannehill, mac jones now i, I think you can debate the placement of some players in tier in in this tier i feel like tier three has expanded in, in a sense, like I would take Justin Fields over Jared, over Jared Goff. I take him over Jimmy Garoppolo. I take him over Daniel Jones. <laughs> I, I take him over a lot of these guys who rated higher in the grading system in Sando's machine, his tears machine. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. I, I I have some gripes on, I guess, where exactly Justin falls in the ranking order. 
But I think putting him in tier three at this point is completely fair and accurate. 100%. And I think the way that you just described that tier is essentially how you describe where Justin Fields is in this offense and, and what they're doing with him. Um, definitely relying on a heavy running game to, to help him, including his own legs, which should help boost his own standing. And part of the reason why I would take him, um, you know, certainly ahead of some of those guys you mentioned, like, um, what was the, the Daniel Jones is ahead of him? Come on. Yeah. Daniel um, Jones is ahead of him. Two spots. Jimmy Garoppolo, new team. Like, I can understand Derek Carr and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is the first tier three quarterback right after the last tier two quarterback, which is our guy, Kirk Cousins. Our guy. You see that? Our guy. And yeah, no. you watch the quarterback. I get it, though. You know, he, he still has like this is where I want to steer this conversation because we, we do have Sando coming up later this week. And I love hearing about his process. I feel like it's it's expanded over the years, right? Mm-hmm. From like 30 insiders to 40 insiders. Now he's at 50. I love how he lists their actual like occupations, too. Yeah. So you get a you get a good sense of he's pulling a variety of different um, occupations within the league. Right. And I think that that's. That, that's helpful to getting... Because, for example, there, I saw that... By the way, cool breakdown from The Athletic, too, and just the layout of it this year and um, being able to play around with some of the voting um, and get a better idea how it compares from year to year. I think that's very, very helpful in this exercise. Um, but I, I noticed that he had five Tier 2 votes, which is like, wow, okay, so there's like five people view Justin Fields as a tier two quarterback already before he makes this jump. Now, on the other hand, though, I notice he has 11 tier four votes. So there, there, most people, the majority, overwhelming majority view him as a tier three quarterback, which is where I think you and I view him right now too. I think he, I said this last year when he was tier four, that I was going to be very disappointed if he wasn't at least a tier three quarterback this year. Okay. He did it. I would say the same thing now going forward next year. Next year when this happens, you want to see him in Tier 2, and I think he will be. I think he, he's a Tier 3 quarterback right now who who can become a Tier 2 quarterback this year, and if I had to guess, that's what I would predict. But to see that there's still 11 people right now that voted him as a Tier 4 quarterback is interesting to me. But to kind of bring this all full circle to, to what you just said, I, I find it interesting. I'm Like, I'm wondering... Were they like quarterback coaches that view him as a tier two guy? And maybe there's some uh, GMs or personnel guys that just weren't big fans of Justin coming out. And they're still viewing him through the prism of their their mind. That's, yeah, he's still a tier four. You know, that that part's interesting. And, and I don't know, you know, how to view that. We're just sort of guessing on how it all breaks down. But I, I, I feel like just like with the NFL 100, that's player voted that he got a lot of respect. I feel like the coaches on the field that are, especially if they're defensive coaches having to like prep for Justin Fields, um, they're probably going to view him in with much more respect. Yeah. We did a story. Uh, gosh, when was it? A couple months ago, Kevin Fishman and I, and we talked to a defensive coordinator and basically I'll, I'll just sum up his thoughts. He's a pain in the ass to, yeah. <laughs> to, 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 to plan for Justin Fields. It's just because of everything he, he could do. You, you can have the perfect rush plan. You could coach these guys up. You know, they could be on top of everything. And then, bam, one broken tackle. And what could be like a two-yard tackle for loss turns into a 12-yard gain and another first down. 
and he's getting better looking down the field. Now he's got better receivers. So he could be a pain in the ass to plan for. So I think, yeah, you get some of that. The defensive coordinator may view him differently than the offensive coordinator. But but even like, and I have no idea if Mike McDaniel voted in this, but remember Mike McDaniel on the, during that game last year. Stop it. Stop it. Like, so if Mike McDaniel gets a vote, I feel like maybe he would have voted him as a tier two guy. You know, it, it's it's kind of fun to think about. But. One, one question I have for Sando before we get to the training camp thoughts here is I feel like tier one expanded a bit. Mm. I, I almost feel like there should be like a super tier. Super. Like a super, like for Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah, he should have his own tier. Like some of these guys don't belong in the same tier as Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, so in the top tier, Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers was seriously still a tier one guy, he wouldn't have been traded to the Jets. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Just a thought. Just and I don't know if I like Justin Herbert a lot, but is he really all the way at the top tier? He got paid like one. Again, don't take your uh, don't get mad at Sando about this. He's just the one that compiled everything. These are not his his voting. Um, and then meanwhile, Jalen Hurts at the top of tier two. But here's the thing I want to get to. Like, so, so now you go to camp and you tweet out some stats. And or you tweet out observations and everybody consumes it in real time. I don't think it's as I don't think the debate is as what's the word I'm looking for as heated or, or it's not as going as it was last year. But like, I feel like there's debate again, whether or not Justin Fields is having good or bad days, like even with his interception yesterday. Yeah. Which I don't know if it was exactly double coverage. Sometimes you just got to give the safety enough credit for getting over there in time. Are you talking about the one in the two-minute drill at the end of? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I, it, I didn't it, mind that. And you, you, I thought gave some good context on Twitter when you tweeted it out, and I thought that there was even more that could be offered up because I noticed at the snap and I was confused because this was a two-minute drill. Did you see that they subbed out all the starters? All the skill position players were not the starters on that play. Yeah. So they were like running the two-minute drill. And then all of a sudden, you looked at the wide receivers, and it was like Simba Webster. Um, I don't even. Tyler remember. Scott was out there. Tyler Scott was out there, and then maybe it was St. Brown was the third. But like all of a sudden, DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool were not on the field, and I think Treston Ebner was in the backfield. Yeah. So not even one of the top two or three running backs, depending on how you're viewing that right now, and. and Meanwhile, now he's not going against a starting defense in that scenario either, but it was like a basically a hail mary in the double coverage to a guy who's probably not going to be out there on game day. Like that was one of those plays where I'm just like, okay, that didn't really matter. Like to like, give you even fuller context, just in terms of what the the situation was, it was first and twenty after a holding penalty, which negated another completion, which would have been the fourth in a row by Justin Fields on that drive. And he threw to Simba Webster deep down the seam. And you almost wonder what that play would be like if that was DJ Moore, who probably would have greater separation, or, or Darnell Mooney, since it kind of came up the slot. But I think what we saw there was first and 20 with 30 seconds left from this drill, late game, maybe end of half situation, where Justin feels now he needs to take a shot, where everything underneath right. is covered, has to take a shot. And I think we were waiting for him to take a shot during that drill. And I thought some of his best stuff was before that, where he's hitting Claypool 
real fast for gains of 10, 11 yards, first downs and moving the ball quite efficiently and fast. Yeah. I, I do not. I look, if I had to rank all the practices I've seen so far, I yesterday was probably the worst for the offense probably the worst for Justin Fields compared to the others, but I still feel like overall we're so used to at this point, basically a week in the camp being like, yep, yeah, slow start for the offense defense is ahead of the game. Let's see what it looks like when pads go on. Like, and we're just naturally, you know, putting all these disclaimers on what we've seen. This is the first time I can remember in a long time where the offense is the offense has been good. For the most part, I think. I mean, there's been certainly some sloppiness here and there as they're installing things, but I I, I think Justin overall is trending in the right direction. I think this offense looks like an offense that is in year two. Not like it was last year when they were just trying to put all this together relatively quickly in the first year of the system. He had a 7-on-7 seven seven yesterday where he was 8-for-10. I feel like since we've talked so much about it, we should talk about that one. Now, a lot of it was short and quick, but I think the more you watch it, the more you realize that was the entire purpose of those seven-on-seven drills. There was not... Rarely did I see a guy going down the field. I felt like in that whole seven-on-seven drill, you almost have to try to learn what they're trying to practice specifically. Right? The ball was out quickly, and every single one of them. It was all short stuff. No one was running deep down the field. You know Justin Fields would like to take his shots, but there was none of that. So in terms of efficiency, getting the ball out quickly, which we all want to see Justin Fields do, not having that ball on the ground, as Matt Eberflus would say in a 7-on-7 drill, to see him go 8-for-10 and move the ball quite well, 5 yards here, 6 yards there, 7 yards there, 3 yards there, whatever it was, to all sorts of different guys, from DJ Moore to Tristan Ebner. Like, I thought that was a good drill for him, especially since we talk about 7-on-7 seven seven so much on this podcast. Yeah, I, I think, to, to me, that I was more concerned about the full team periods yesterday where there were some balls that clearly should have been let go earlier um, or were forced. And, like, yeah, 7-on-7 seven seven was fine. It, the degree of difficulty on those throws wasn't very high. Um, but like the Tyreek Stevenson interception, that ball needed to be out way earlier. I thought Claypool was open. It was thrown late and then it was picked off. That's a, that was a full team drill. Yeah. Th- those are the ones that I'm like, uh, w- when I'm pulling out the plays to be concerned about, maybe that's an example. But again, those are, those have been few and far between. I feel like so far in camp. So I'm encouraged by that. The defense has to get theirs too. If the defense wasn't getting anything, I'd start to be concerned about that side of the ball. And that's always like the, you know, the pull back and forth uh, between the two sides during training camp when the Bears are playing the Bears, right? So, um, and, and that's another reason why I cannot wait to see pads go on today because we have seen, I feel like, more examples than I thought of impressive rushes, dare I say. From the defensive line, like, well, all offseason we've been talking about, they don't have a pass rushers. But we've still seen almost every day two or three reps where it's like, oh, that would have been a sack for sure. So is is there more pass rush ability on this defense than we think? Is the offensive line struggling more than 
we thought they would be? Or is it just because there's no pads on, it's not even fair to look at it? And I think it's probably the, the last thing I just said there. I'm not reading into that too much, but there's some times where it's like, oh, Fields probably would have been sacked there, and then he throws the ball anyway because, it, and I agree with it, they're trying to complete the rep. I, I do like that, but it's well, it's kind of hard to read right now. Well, Matt Eberflew specifically said why they do it, and he acknowledged that, well, the obvious ones, like he'll call sacks, but in most cases, he wants the play to continue because Justin Fields does have that ability to to scramble. Yeah to elude would-be sackers. And they want to continue practicing the scramble drill for him, which is something that the Bears... <laughs> like, rarely did we see that under the Matt Nagy era, even though Mitch Trubisky proved to be pretty good at that as well. Scramble drill rules. You know, having that become part of your offense. You know, look at the Chiefs. Such an invaluable part of what Patrick Mahomes can provide. The play after the play. The play within the play. The Bears want to get that in, too. So I like seeing that. It's not like the old days where Mark Tressman is telling the defensive lineman, you know, stop batting down balls. I think Matt Eberflus wants that, but there's purpose in what they're trying to do offensively in terms of letting them continue the play. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, Watching the game later with your friends, maybe get a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan John's polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, and works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Which rookie has stood out to you the most so far? Well, I think it's easy because it's Tyler Scott, right? Although... There was there there is one position battle between two rookies I want to highlight, which yeah. I think is becoming a big storyline. Can we get to that? Well, I was gonna say, like I'd probably pick Tyler Scott as the the rookie that's 
been most impressive, most encouraging so far. What I did not expect to see Terrell Smith rotating with the ones versus Tyreek Stevenson. Yeah. The second round pick. So I have a story up on this on the athletic uh, today, just in terms of like Tyreek Stevenson's mindset being the first trade up in the Ryan polls era in terms of draft elections. But that has become, that's a thing, man. That's a real competition between two rookies on the opposite side of Jalen Johnson. First, it was Tyreek Stevenson getting the longer looks there. Now it's Terrell Smith. Alan Williams, the defensive coordinator, has called it a reps plan, rep plan. But I haven't seen anything in the past few days. Maybe it will change today because Stevenson had a great pick that you mentioned on fields. But it's been Terrell Smith, the fifth-round pick, right? The fifth-round pick out of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Who's been getting the longer looks while Stevenson comes in late? And to be fair, this is where another area where pads can make a difference. The physicality off the line of scrimmage between the wide receivers and the corners. I I I think it's you know lesser than obviously on the line you know line of scrimmage with the in on the interior with the big linemen, but um it could change things, certainly, especially for guys that like to be physical. That, that like to press, like to get their hands on wide receivers early and down. Um, so, but we walked into camp thinking, yeah, that job's pretty much Tyreek Stevenson's to lose. Now, I still wonder, like, I know there's been a lot of talk about Stevenson, quote-unquote, struggling early in camp. I mean, they're asking him to do a lot. <laughs> hey, rookie, um, go guard DJ Moore on your first day of NFL training camp um, every and, day. Yeah. Every drill. And then the highlight that's put out there over and over again on social media is on that first day is DJ Moore catching that touchdown over Tyreek Stevenson on a perfectly thrown ball by Justin Fields and a great route by DJ Moore. And oh, by the way, Stevenson was actually in pretty good coverage on that play, but it's like, and there's been a lot of examples of that. I do not look at Tyreek Stevenson so far as a guy who is struggling. I think he's being tested. I think he's certainly, you know, taking taking some L's in some great battles, um, and I think they're trying to push him even more by saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna work Terrell Smith in there too." But the fact that this has lasted now three practices is very interesting to me. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the pads do change things because both players are they're big cornerbacks. Both of them are. You could tell Matt Eberflus has a style. I know we talked at length about speed and length because Ryan Poles mentioned it all the time. Matt Eberflus mentioned it all the time. So maybe the physicality will help separate each other, uh, separate them from each other. But there's two pretty good players there. Terrell Smith, though, has, I feel like he's also earned those opportunities. He's had some pass breakups, I feel like, in, in three consecutive practices. Yeah, Going against the ones, definitely going up against the twos when they do certain team drills. But he's had a pretty good camp. He's turning some heads. Now, let me ask you this, because I can't help my brain from going here. If you got those two rookies competing and you like them both and you like what they're doing, does that impact your uh, Jalen Johnson situation at all? That's funny. The the article I wrote the other day was whether or not like DJ Moore's matchups with Jalen Johnson will positively affect Jalen Johnson's contract situation because he's actually won his fair share especially in one-on-ones. But that's an interesting like part of this conversation, right? Yeah. You have the veteran who the Bears have indicated they want to sign, want to re-sign. He wants to be here. 
But then you have two very good rookies, or who seem to be very good rookies, competing on the opposite side. A lot of things for the Bears to discuss internally here. Now, again, it's been five non-padded practices. No one's played in a game yet. Let's see what it looks like in these preseason games. I just threw out a hypothetical question there. I, for me, I wouldn't let it affect. If 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 they came to an agreement this morning that was the number the Bears value Jalen Johnson and he was all in, I would I would execute the contract. Um, but this does lead to another thing, which is almost every positional ranking I see nationally has the Bears secondary like way down in the twenties. And I'm not saying this is a unit that's you know top five or maybe even top ten. I think it could be, but if if I were to go on some national show and they asked me, hey, which part of this Bears team is getting overlooked or not getting enough respect, I would say the secondary. I think it's a pretty good group. They think they could be a pretty good group. Steven has, Stevenson has said as much. Brisker has said as much. Gordon has said as, as much. Jackson has said as much. They know what type of talent they have in every single spot. They know where they were drafted. They know the accolades that Eddie Jackson has in his past. I think every single one of them, Jalen Johnson, second-round pick, Brisker, second-round pick, Gordon, second-round pick, right? Um, Stevenson, second-round pick. And there's some investment there, some draft capital used on some premium positions, especially in the secondary. We'll see. You know, it's funny. I asked – I was talking to Alan, Alan Williams in the hallway at Hallis Hall uh, a couple days ago, and I, and I brought up the, the young talent in the secondary – and I go, you know, it's a, it's a cliche. It all starts up front, but you have all these young, talented, good players in, in your back end there. Second round picks. For now, could this work reverse? And, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking of like the Seahawks with the Legion of Boom where it kind of worked back to front. And he goes, no, it all starts up front. That never changes. It all starts up front. So we'll see what he could get out of his defensive lineman. You know, it's time to really start talking about Dexter. Yes. Pickens a little bit more. I want to see them in pads, but I think what Alan Williams said still holds true. Although I think he's, I think he knows he's got some talent there in that secondary. Well, we've certainly heard a lot of great things about Dexter specifically, you know, with Pickens, I think I, 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 he hasn't really been talked up as much since he got in the building, but you know, just even yesterday, Justin Jones, I like Justin Jones, man. He, he's, he could very what like it would be understandable if he was kind of like a grumpy player towards the media or whatever because he he's basically just getting dismissed by probably some of us and 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 a lot of the fans is like oh you're just a rotational guy someone you know Dexter or Pickens is coming to take your job and like I don't know man he's he's clearly one of the veteran guys that has a huge voice in that locker room, a huge voice on this defense. And I just appreciate his attitude because he comes to play. Um, and I, th- I still think he's a, he's a pretty good player and he's handled this whole thing of them drafting two defensive tackles pretty high. Um, and it looks to me like he's taken them under his wing and no complaints. And the way he talked up Dexter yesterday, like right away was it's pretty impressive. I mean, it's clear that they they think they got a player there with Dexter. Yeah. We got a question here from our friend Berlissimo. How is Dexter's get-off luck? It's been... I, I, I want to see it in pads. 
Yeah. It's really it. I want to see the violence in pads starting today. Tomorrow will be a big day. I feel like they're really going to ramp it up on Wednesday. So look for our thoughts in Thursday's show after we talk to, to Sando. But I think he's been good. Like, I, I've seen some reps where he's just like eating up the lineman and, and, and going with the flow of, of the zone scheme. And, and you know, maybe he kind of washes himself out a little bit and he's got to learn to just anchor. But with these big guys, Adam, you know, you, you want to see them with, the, with with their pads. I, I could tell you when you watch them in the individual drills, there is some violence in these two young rookies just in terms of how they get off the ball, their hands, the strength that they have. But again, I want to see him in pads against Tevin Jenkins and Nate Davis in the middle, man. I want to see him against Cody Whitehair. You know who's played with violence every single practice despite not having pads on? Braxton Jones. Braxton Jones, I mean, the first the first practice that we saw last week, which was in the indoor, when they were doing their um, duo duo uh, blocks where they're trying to climb to the next level. Yeah. He, he, he went up against, uh, I think Lucas Patrick first and then Cody Whitehair because they kind of flip around and they hold the, you know, they hold the pad for them. To, and, but he just like drove them both back like way farther than he was supposed to. And more than anyone else was doing. And they're both like, Hey man, chill out. <laughs> um, and, and he's been bringing that every day. Yesterday, there was a little bit of a skirmish. He was in on the far field while seven on sevens were going on. So to me, that's going to be one of the more interesting things with the, with the pads on today. Um, and I liked, I liked seeing that from Braxton Jones. I got a question on Twitter yesterday about how he's, how he's looked Braxton Jones. And I went with the answer. Well, let's see him in pads. I think he looks more physically fit, right? He looks stronger. I, I don't want to say leaner because he's a, he's a lineman, but there's no rookie baby fat, I would say. I don't know if he went through the receiver workout like Darnell Wright did, but <laughs> like he looks good. He looks in shape. Like that left side of the line, for as much as that right side has been invested in with a first-round pick, a free agent signing, this left side of the line with Braxton Jones and Tevin Jenkins, two young players, I feel like maybe by the end of camp or maybe by even Thursday, we could be talking about them a little bit more because there's still some talent there, a left tackle and left guard. Like, let's not overlook Tevin Jenkins' second-round pedigree either. Like, there's still a player there. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, Tevin adjusting. Uh, can't wait to see that. And then uh, I've been very anxious with Darnell Wright. Like, I, there's, just been, there's been some reps where he, it looks like he's gotten beat, but, again, there's no pads, so it's just like, okay, let's see this. Remember last year, Braxton Jones was he was struggling a little bit against Robert Quinn in practices, to say the least, um, in some of those one-on-ones. And and I I'm very anxious to see what Darnell Wright looks like, especially because he did lose the weight, you know. And it sounds like from polls that it's the kind of weight you want to lose. But let's let's see what it all looks like now, and um, even in some of these preseason games, which isn't too far away now. We're only about a week and a half away from the first preseason game yeah this is where you like to almost have a a veteran pass rusher i know this question comes up all the time where you have these two still young tackles second year guy on the left side rookie on the right side rookie first round pick right there on the right side like a robert quinn would be very good for them yeah just the different moves the bend that robert quinn had not a lot of guys have that but it's something to 
to contend with. Some of them can do certain things. Some defensive ends can do similar things, I should say, as Robert Quinn. But yeah, still no one, no new players, no big time agents coming through House Hall as of yet to talk about new deals. Um, we'll see. We'll see. But that's a great point by you. And, and you know, Robert Quinn got traded, pretty much did nothing with the Eagles last year, but it, it, it was still pretty important having him in training camp last year with the Bears. That made other players better. So that's a good point to bring up. And um, Also, let's see if this uh, Terrell Lewis thing continues because that's been pretty interesting going back to OTAs, right? I mean, see if that can continue. Um, with the pads going on. It's been fun. It's been fun. All right, so this is... I apologize uh, that this is sort of a shorter show, but we do have to get to practice today. We will be back Thursday which a, with a longer version. It's an off day for the Bears, so we'll have a little bit more time. Uh, Mike Sandel will join us to break down the QB tiers even more. Um, but it's been a good, I think, a strong start to camp for the Bears. Maybe on par with... What I was expecting, for the most part, um, nothing terribly eventful, and I guess knock on wood, but it's been mostly healthy so far too. Um, oh, you better knock on wood for saying something like that. Yeah, but like, think about how many years we're we're like three days in the camp, and you the know, carts John, out a few times. John Fox is listing off ten players who are out of practice, um, <laughs> or not listing them. I forget now at this point. <laughs> He's got a hammy. He's got a leg. He's got a leg. <laughs> Does he have two? Because if he only has one, that's a problem. Yeah. Yep, God. that's the problem. He only has one leg. Tough injury. All right, uh, but follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Practice updates uh, from there. While the practices are open to the public, we can tweet away, which we'll be doing today. Um, and all the coverage, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns and allchgo.com. As well. Any final thoughts there, Johnsy? No, I'm looking forward to uh, Thursday's show. It'll be longer. There will be two days of padded practices to discuss. And we have Mike Sandel coming on to go through his, his tiers for 15, 20 minutes as well. Obviousshirts.com is where you get all the merch as well. Saw some of those questions. You got the, the new shirt on. Football. Yeah. Football. Feels like a good shirt to wear on the day the pads go on. Why not? Absolutely. It's just a like shirt that, that just says pads. <laughs> I'm here for pads. This one was so your creation. Yeah, it was. John's gets all the credit for this one. Yeah. Instantaneous creation at Obvious Shirts Yeah, for that live show. It was. Joe walked across the street, came back, and all of a sudden, it, the shirt that you thought of in your brain. It was that. It was amazing. And I was uh, and I, I was wearing it. If you yeah. came at that minute, you would have saw me shirtless at Obvious Shirts. <laughs> Nobody wanted to see that. But I guess it oh, wasn't added. It, it was an added bonus if you came early to, to the show. All right, we're out of here. Um, enjoy the next couple of days. We'll, again, we'll have you covered um, with with all of our information on social media and written elsewhere, YouTube, and then we'll be back Thursday um, with Sando, and um, should be fun. We'll talk to you then. See ya. Anyway, uh, who cares?